Welcome to the Make Light Show, the podcast that's all about curating meaning and joy in a light-filled life and part of the Life Listen Podcast Network. I'm Karen Walren, photographer, leadership coach, and author of The Beauty of Different, Observations of a Confident Misfit. Join me as I answer your questions about how to make light in an occasionally dark world, and together we'll prove that positivity, creativity, and kindness, both to yourself and to others, make the world go round. Welcome back, friends. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, food. See, I love food. I love it. I love foods from different countries. I love the way gourmet chefs play with flavors. I love it all. But honestly, I'm also exhausted by it. It seems every time we turn around, there's a new superfood or a food we should never eat or a food that specifically makes us fat or tired or slow-witted. And then there are all the diets, gluten-free, paleo, Whole30, the Mediterranean diet, the plan. Food is so overwhelming. And frankly, all I want to know is how I can eat in a way that I feel healthy, I look glowy, and I have energy. That's it. Enter Rita Achari. I met Rita at a dinner party hosted by mutual friends, one of whom is a well-known chef who basically started the local and organic food movement decades ago here in Houston. As Rita and I chatted that night, I learned that she is a neurologist. But after exchanging Facebook addresses, I also discovered that she has a wonderful blog called Tasting Health, focused on simple ways and simple recipes for eating healthily. So given how my mind boggles when it comes to food, I knew she was the perfect person to sort everything out, or so I thought. Turns out food is really confusing. But while we recorded this episode, Rita confirmed some suspicions I had around food messaging and shared some great tips to get started learning what it really means to eat healthy. Join us for this great conversation. Rita, I am so thrilled that you are joining me here on The Make Light Show. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm delighted and honored and so happy to be here with you. Oh, well, look, so let me, I'm going to just go ahead and, and confess something up front. Normally on the Make Light Show, I take everybody's questions. I take people send in their questions and they ask me um, to tackle various issues. And sometimes I do it myself and sometimes I do what we're doing here where I bring in an expert. Nobody asked this question. I'm just going to tell you that this okay. is my question. <laughs> so, because you have this amazing blog called Tasting Health, which I've just been really loving. It's a relatively new blog, I think. And it's, it's so great. And I'm going to tell you right now that I am frustrated with food because I love food. I love everything about food. I love to cook. I love going out to eat. I love everything about food. But the rules around food make me bonkers. Like every other week, there's some new diet or some new thing I'm supposed to eat or some new thing I'm not supposed to eat. So the fact that you're a doctor, like we are going to break it down today. Okay? All right. Looking forward to it. <laughs> so let's start. So I know you're a neurologist, right? Correct. How did tasting health come about? Like I, I, I would not have thought a neurologist would write a food blog. So tell me a little bit about how that came, came about. Right. So, you know, the, the interesting thing about neurology is we're sort of the detectives of the medical world. Right so what happens is when someone's got a problem, 
and, you know, they go to the internist, the gastroenterologist and the surgeon, and, and no one really understands what's happening, but the person continues to have complaints. For instance, brain fog is an easy one. Okay. Um, then they end up at the neurologist. And our job is to sort out why something is happening. Sometimes we can do something for it, and sometimes we just have an explanation for it. So, so this is great, because I am going to admit right now that I'm not exactly sure what neurologists do. So neural, I'm, I'm thinking neurons, so that's nerves, right? So yes, is that yes, but, brain but my husband things? as well, as my husband says, you have nerves everywhere. Okay. So that is how, so we do everything from, you know, double vision, headache, dizziness, to numbness and tingling, to Alzheimer's dementia, to stroke, to multiple sclerosis. Good Lord. You know, so it's a, it's a huge swath of complaints that come to us. And then we kind of figure out, hey, this is this is what's going on. So it's it's a wonderful specialty to be in. I I love it. And um, you know, you were asking me, well, how did tasting health come about? Right. There are and have traditionally been multiple nutritional neurologic diagnoses. So vitamin B twelve deficiency, which is a really common vitamin deficiency is a has a role if it goes untreated it causes memory loss that looks just like alzheimer's dementia so, <gasps> no kidding yeah so when we're doing that we're we're you know when we're, someone comes hey and i can't think well we're always we would check vitamin b12 and folic acid levels they are also associated with stroke mm. um vitamin d deficiency has now been shown to be associated with multiple sclerosis. <gasps> no. Um, so vitamin yeah, D, that's then, the that's the sunlight one, is that right? Yes, we only make a tiny amount of it from sunlight, but you know, vitamin A, which is remains vitamin A deficiency remains the number one reason for night blindness worldwide in children. And Texas A&M, of course, uh, has created a type of rice that has high vitamin A levels. It's helping a lot of people in um, underdeveloped areas who are predominantly rice eating, we have too much vitamin A causes something called um, race or it's called pseudotumor cerebri. Pseudotumor means it's not a tumor, but it looks like a tumor. And that's because there's pressure increased in the brain from too much vitamin A. So all of these nutritional deficiencies have been around. We've looked for them but we sort of stopped looking, you know, doctors right. have become very much in, we've turned into just the business of disease and we've forgotten the business of health. And mm. there are a variety of pressures on us to, to have gone that way. Um, for me, I started my practice a little over 20 years ago and, you know, have always looked for the, the normal vitamin things that we look for. Um, and then probably about 10 years ago, when some of the more extreme diets started to mm -hmm. become fashionable, uh, particularly being gluten-free. That was the first one. Oh, that's and, the one I wanted to talk to you about, yeah, especially. <laughs> so, right. so um, you know, here are all these people. And what's sad about this is that people are getting sick with good intentions and efforts to get healthy because of all the misinformation that's out there. Oh, wait, let's stop. I want to, I want to hear that again. So you're saying 
But some of the things that we keep hearing about, like, I don't want to pick on gluten-free because obviously there are people who really need to be gluten-free, right? The celiacs and stuff. But like some of these things that we're hearing are making us sick when we follow them? Exactly. <gasps> exactly. And, and it, it's, a, it's kind of, um, you know, when I, when I tell a patient, oh my God, the reason that you haven't been able to think for the past three years and you just spent $80,000 and gone through a billion tests is because you stopped eating bread. It's sort of a sucker punch and people feel really stupid. And I, I try to put my arms around them and, you know, uh, without being overly invasive in their personal space, but it's, it's not, you know, it's very hard to sort out the information that's out there. And, and I've sort of educated myself. Um, It's extreme education because I'm doing everything from learning what the latest cooking things are to going back into time and looking at the last 150 years of American food and European food and, you know, how did we bake bread? You know, what did the Egyptians do? How did we do this? Right. How did we come to process wheat? Um, And why do people, if you go on the gluten-free chat rooms, this is a wonderful thing about going into menopause, you don't sleep so you can do all this. (laughs) Um, well, we don't talk about that too. We don't talk about that yet, but um, it, that's that's the one upside. Um, I, you know, what would happen is, you know, you have these folks who would be gluten, you know, they wouldn't eat any bread in the United States. They'd go to Europe, they'd eat bread in France, they felt fine, they came back, they tried bread, they'd mm-hmm. get sick. Well, you know, with my with my field trip to two different grocery stores, um, one is sort of very standard grocery store, one is a very well known organic grocery store. Okay. Um, the standard grocery store, their high-end th- bread ingredients would be, you know, bleached wheat. Right. And then it would say gluten, 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 sugar somewhere in there. Right. You go to the, the what is known and thought of as a really good, you know, organic health pro um, store. And the difference would be organic bleached wheat organic sugar and then organic gluten, <laughs> organic gluten, organic gluten. And then I right. went, Oh my God, no wonder you're feeling sick. So, you know, we as doctors and many of them were just told, Oh, you're crazy. Well, you're not crazy. Mm. It really is making you sick. I don't eat that bread. I have not eaten store-bought bread in a decade. Wow. So what do you, it makes but, me sick, but you eat bread. So does that mean like, I eat bread? I eat really good bread that you make I'm, yourself or how do I, you do? I, well, I, I do Harvey, Hurricane Harvey <laughs> has reinstilled my bread making into right. our household. But before that I would purchase bread from slow dough. I mean, I'm in Houston, so uh, we have several really good bakers that are making bread the European way using mm. wild yeast and slow rising methods so that the gluten develops in a different structure. And one of the most interesting things is the act of baking bread, right? The heating of the gluten changes the structure of the gluten. So we actually don't absorb as much. So our bodies from 10,000 years ago already know what to do with gluten when we bake it Mm. the right way. It doesn't know what to do with, you know, eight 
cups of gluten added right. to a loaf of bread. And so absolutely there's a problem here, but it, wheat is not the problem. Right. Well, okay. And, and to be clear, like for those of you who actually, um, listeners who actually suffer from celiac disease, we're not talking about that. We're, we're, right, we're, no. we're talking about the trendy sort of let's all eat gluten-free kind of thing, not, not right. the actual and, disease. And I think, you know, I read a book several years ago. I think it was, was it in, in Praise of Bread and something of bread, uh, written by an English professor who had celiac disease and his, his struggle with celiac disease. And one of the things he wrote about, which I have uh, really thought about a lot, is that so many people became gluten-free for no real reason and they weren't really, they didn't really need to be gluten-free, right. that his condition became minimized and people weren't so careful. Right, right. And so people who have celiac disease and people who have a wheat allergy yep. cannot have wheat. Right. And we have to be very conscious of that. And for them, we have to be very careful because that's a terrible thing. I mean, they suffer terribly. Of course, of course. So let me ask you this question then, because this is the thing that um, certainly, I mean, you mentioned menopause. I'm 51. So like, you know, menopause for me, if it's not right around the corner, it's right behind me. So <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you this question. I know, certainly, for most of my life, I've thought of food um, as either something that I should either eat to gain weight, or to lose weight. Like really, that was kind of like, it wasn't about really nourishing so much. Now, I love the pleasure of food, right? Like, I love the flavors of food. Right. But for me, it's like, oh, I can't eat that because I will gain weight. Or if I'm too thin, I must eat this because I will gain weight. And I never thought of it as any other way. Should we, as a neurologist, be thinking about food as for something that's other than weight? Like, should we be thinking about it for, like you said, like brain fog and for some of the other things that we may not really equate food with? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, it's a great question because I'm writing that essay right now, which <laughs> is, why do we eat? Right. Right. The number one reason that we eat is to give our bodies fuel to function. Mm -hmm. And we've totally forgotten about that, right? right? The main reasons we eat now are for pleasure. Yep. We eat Yes, yes, child. Yes, we do. <laughs> diet, right? Right, yeah. And I don't, you know me. I love food. I, I wake do. up in the morning thinking about dinner. Yep. So, um, but we eat for, for, for pleasure, for diet, for fashion. Yep. But we don't eat for nutrition. Mm. And, you know, people have forgotten, and maybe it's because we don't have education in schools. I mean, when I was a kid, I had health. Yeah. And, and we were taught, here's, you know, these are the macronutrients, and I'm I'm a public school uh, product. So macronutrients yep. here are the micronutrients. Here's why you need vitamins, and you get them from foods. And so that, I remember that so clearly. Vitamins are organic compounds that our body does not make that we must get from food, mm. and they are essential to every single reaction in the cell in our body. Every single one. Wow. Okay. So that is, you know, it, you know, when I'm thinking about, you know, if you go back to chemistry, with in our bodies, we are making and breaking down, and everything's being recycled, like proteins and fats and carbohydrates and amino acids. Everything's coming together, but all those reactions turning one thing into the next. Yep. There's an enzyme 
that makes it go. And vitamins are the cofactors. They're the keys that turn the enzymes on. Okay. So if you don't have them, if those are off, the enzyme's not going to work. So they're critical. And we, vitamin D is the one we make a little bit of when we're exposed to sunlight. Those of us with more melanin in our skin, you would think we make more, we actually make less. Okay. We, we don't have as much vitamin D. Okay. So it's, it's, you know, so we eat, that's the reason we should be eating. And so when we look at food every day, it should be, okay, here's, you know, five or six servings of, of different kinds of fruits and vegetables. And here's my, you know, um, grains, my whole grains, because I'm going to get B1 and B2 and B6 from that. Right. Here's my dairy. Here's, you know, that whole food pyramid was actually a good idea. Mm. So, okay. All right. So, I mean, that sounds great, but it, I also am not a neurologist, for example. So I can't look necessarily at my food and go, okay, I'll look at that. Look at all that wonderful vitamin D or look at like, I like, I don't necessarily know that. Um, and so like, one of the things that I loved on your blog is like you kind of break it down. You say the keys to eating well are eat fresh, eat seasonally, eat locally, eat wisely, right? Right. Can you say, can you break those down even further? Like what does it mean to eat fresh, seasonally, locally, and wisely? Like what does that sure. mean? Sure. So eating fresh means really trying to get the freshest food possible. And unfortunately, when you go to the grocery store, most of the produce is held in cold storage for a long time. If you hold things in cold storage, the vitamins break down. So if you have the opportunity... That, that's including to, even like in the produce section. Like if we just absolutely, go... Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, the, the... So an apple, an apple is held in cold storage from 6 to 12 months, usually 9 to 12 months before we eat it. It has no vitamin C well, in what, it. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I know. If I go to the produce section and I buy an apple, that apple could mm-hmm. be a year old? Yes. That is it's disgusting. Usually, <laughs> well, it is disgusting, but we love, we, we love to have an apple all year round. Yep. And so we have great food scientists that have figured out from variety to variety exactly how to, at the rate and the temperature, to chill an apple so that it stays crisp and is still sweet and is a little bit fragrant. So... Um, and that way, you know, when farmers have excess produce, this is how we get everything. But really, we only should be eating apples somewhere between, you know, uh, September to December. And then everything after that used to be processed into applesauce apple or right. juice. Right. Right. So we, but we like to have apples. And that said, I think of apples as candy. I yep. think of them as dessert. And I, 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 I spent a little time part of my life in England and I like English cheddar cheese and I like to eat my apples with a little English cheddar cheese. And I just think of that as my dessert. So, but I get fiber, but there's no vitamins in that apple. So, okay. So, all right. God, you're blowing my mind here. I know. I know. So eating fresh fresh does not necessarily mean just going to the produce section. No, it doesn't. And that's why I talk about in my, in my, in my blog, that if, if there's any way where you are, to find a farmer, a good farmer's market mm. where somebody's actually growing what's in season for where you are, mm-hmm. right? We're done with tomatoes. They're having a blast with tomatoes in New York right now. Okay. So, you know, the seasons are different. We're a big, big country in a big world. We eat different things all year round. So um, eat what is grown in your area. 
that has, you know, so the fresher it is. So the closest you can get it to being picked from the plant, because the moment something's picked off its plant, it's going to start losing its nutrition. So fresh is more important than organic. Fresh is more important just about anything in terms of nutritional value and nutritional content. Wow. Okay. And so you just mentioned your third point about eating locally, because locally is how you can sort of guarantee the freshness. But what does local mean? Like, does that mean like 10 miles from around your house? Or does it mean 100 miles? Like, what does that mean? What does local mean? Local means, well, it, it has a variety of meanings. It's if I'm thinking about fresh produce, mm-hmm. I'm thinking I want to get something that was picked maybe two days ago. Wow. And I'm going to go to the farmer's market and get it. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy for the week. But I'm not going to, I'm going to finish everything in a week because the nutrition's going down every single day. So I'm going to go to the farmer's market for my produce. If I'm thinking about meat, mm-hmm. you know, it can be a couple of hundred miles from here. And that, but I like to know the ranchers. I like to know that something is fully grass fed. When we eat fully grass fed meats, whether it's lamb or beef or pork, the fats look like olive oil. What? Yeah, it's good for you. So commercially raised meats, however, when animals are fed all sorts of other things, now we start getting very saturated fats. And, And so again, meats have been vilified in in healthcare, in medicine. Right. But we don't ask the question, hey, it's not the meat, it's what we're doing to it. So, you know, and it's confusing, you know, it's confusing as a consumer when you go to the grocery store and something says grass fed versus grass finished. I mean, what does that all mean? <laughs> so I, See, you, I you, are very, tapping, you are tapping into my frustration right there. Right. So <laughs> I just, I, I said, forget all that. And, and 20 years ago, when the mad cow epidemic started, I got to know the folks at Neiman Ranch in California okay. because they knew their progeny. They knew where all the animals came from. Right. So I could get them to ship me good grass-fed beef. And I didn't eat very much. I mean, it was more expensive, but I knew where it was coming from. I actually went to visit them once. Um, and I, I eat smaller amounts of really good quality meat. And we do that now. So... In, in our farmer's market, I, I hit two farmer's markets on Saturday mornings, one at eight, one at nine. And I know and have visited the farms where I'm getting my um, meat, my dairy, my wheat, um, just about everything. So, okay. I love that you just said meat, dairy, and, and wheat, which is like all the three things that you always hear people say, you can't eat any of those. So I love that you mentioned that. But here's the thing, what you're saying, which sounds amazing and lovely and farmer's markets and getting shit sounds really expensive. Like, is there a way to eat healthily, eat locally, fresh, wisely, seasonally? Is there a way to do that that's not expensive? Surprisingly, going to the farmer's market is, and I've done the cost analysis on this, if you buy exactly what you need, but that that entails the trick, having right? <laughs> a plan. Yeah, that entails having some skills. 
Um, and that, that's why I started this whole blog. Mm. But if you can do that and buy, you know, we eat less meat, right? So the meat's the most expensive thing. Yeah. Buy a really good filet, you know, one four ounce filet feeds, you know, my husband and I dinner. And then he usually has a lunch from that. We eat very little of that. And then we're eating greens. Greens are really inexpensive at the farmer's market. Okay. They're big bunches for almost nothing. Right. And, um, you know, get your potatoes from there, get your carrots from there, or whatever is there. If you buy small amounts, you're not going to throw it away. And if you think about, I'm spending, you know, $2 for this whatever at the grocery store. And it has zero nutritional value for that. Let's say it's broccoli. Yep. And then I'm spending $3 for the same amount of broccoli at the farmer's market, but that has nutrition, Mm. right? That means I'm not going to have to buy supplements. That means I'm probably not going to be at the doctor. That means, so there's a lot of stuff. And and it's really, I figure for me, um, we pay maybe 10% more. Okay. But we're, we're, we're buying some exotic things too, you know, so we're, I, if if I had to really do it on a budget, I could very easily do it on a budget because we, there, there are giant things of black eyed peas and purple hull peas. And you can, you know, mix that with canned tomatoes. I mean, there are ways you can make this (gasps) work. You can eat canned tomatoes? Of course you can eat canned tomatoes. Well, you just told me, no, 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 no. You just told me fresh and local. Fresh and local, but. But, you know, we have to be realistic about this. Okay. Which means, I mean, okay, so I spent the summer canning tomatoes, but um, <laughs> oh, you there were too you, many. You meant your canned tomatoes. Is that My canned tomatoes. No, no. Yep. You, can get, you can get very good organic canned tomatoes from anywhere in the world. I like the, the I tend to get Italian ones because the Italians really have great tomatoes and they're a little bit more strict on how much salt can go in and there's no sugar added, mm. but you can get that here too. So in order to can, there has to be some salt okay. and some acid to preserve things. So when you're using a canned product, which is holding on to a lot of the nutrition still, okay. right? You can, you can just know it's got sodium, but it allows you to control the sugar and the salt a little bit. So you can, you can, you can mix okay. and match. So you're, I want to make sure that I understand this. All right. So we're buying our stuff. We're going to the farmer's market or we're, I assume we can grow it, right? Like if we, if we've oh, got that it, would be great. That would be yes. ideal. All right. So, um, so we grow it in our containers or our garden, right? We eat that because then we know it's fresh season local. We know where it's coming from. Right. It's, it's okay to get canned stuff as long as we look at the label. I remember reading a blog post recently on your blog that says if it looks like a science experiment, it's not It's not good. Like it should just be really, really uh, minimal, I guess, ingredients, right? Ingredients minimal that ingredients, you identify. Yeah. Yep. And, and if you can get frozen. So frozen oh people my God. talk about Wait, frozen's see, good. They tell you not to do that. This is what they say. They say just go to the produce section, stay away from frozen, stay away from canned. And you're just turning all that on its head. Well, you know, one must be practical in one's efforts to eat well. <laughs> and, you know, if you can make the first step, which is, hey, I'm going to cook purple whole peas today, which I'll probably cook tomorrow because I got them at the market. Nice. But I have no tomatoes. 
and I have this nice can of Italian, you know, San Marzano tomatoes sitting here. Well, I'm going to take some of those tomatoes and throw them in my purple hull peas. Now, those tomatoes, the vitamin C may be gone, but the lycopenes are still there. There are all sorts of other nutrients that are pretty stable that are in that tomato, even though it's canned. When you freeze things, the vitamin C disappears. C okay. is, vi- vitamin C is the most, I, I like to call it the Tinkerbell of vitamins. It's <laughs> capricious. It just goes. Okay. Um, but it, every, all the other vitamins, all the fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, K, remain in there. Um, Colines and, and all these other, resveratrol, all the other things stay because those things are picked and frozen immediately. Thank you, Clarence Birdseye. But um, <laughs> so it, they really are frozen at the peak of freshness, right? So right. it's pretty good. So there's certain vitamins that are not going to be in there, but others are. So frozen is really good because it's got nothing else added. Canned, you got to kind of know about it and look. And you got to know that to can, there's got to be salt in it. Okay. So be careful of that. But you can use some of these things to enhance um, the your fresh cooking. stuff that you bought. Yeah, the fresh stuff that you bought. You know, I, I, I don't, in my world, you got to try to do the best that you can. So if you can add one thing that's really good, and that means fresh produce, and then maybe have a few other things from your pantry. And they may not be perfect, mm. but you're moving in the right direction. Okay. So, all right. So you're, you're, you're sort of scaring me because you mentioned a lot of different nutrients and foods that I have only heard of, like, occasionally, right? So I want to make sure that we break this down for the total layperson. And by layperson, I mean me. So, <laughs> um, like, it sounds to me like you plan, you do, you do meal planning. It sounds to me like you kind of know what you're going to cook for the rest of the week when you go to the farmer's market. Is, is that true or not necessarily? No, actually, it's the other way around. When I get oh. to the market, that determines what I'm going to cook. Because of the freshness and stuff like that. Because of the freshness. And, you know, if we're having, um, if there, you know... I like fresh chicken. If there's no fresh chicken, I'm not going to buy it. But if my farmer says, hey, I've got this, I've got a really good pork tenderloin, right. fine. Then that's what goes. If, you know, um, last week there were black eyed peas and purple hull peas. The greens in Houston right now have been beaten up by the heat. Mm-hmm. But there were these two great bunches of radishes. And I didn't really, the radishes is not what caught my eye. The radish greens caught my eye. So my, our greens this week are radish greens. Okay. Um, there were some tomatoes still left, not very good looking, but I, <laughs> I got some of those. I got some green beans. Um, my, my plant it forward refugee farmer, Sarmont, had beautiful cucumbers. He had some, uh, something called roselle, which is a, a hamica. It's a hibiscus plant. But the roselle leaves are edible and they're very tart. So, you know, that's what I got this week. So we'll have um, a couple of, you know, two servings of beans. Somebody brought, somebody sent me some salmon. So we had that Sunday night, you know, and we'll, we'll, that's what we'll play around. We had potatoes. Potatoes are in season. So we had salmon Sunday night. Tonight, I'll make sort of a niçoise salad Yum. with a leftover cold salmon Yum. and the green beans, the potatoes. I'll probably add a few sweet potatoes and some fresh eggs and some olives and we're done. 
I feel, I mean, it sounds so amazing and I feel a little overwhelmed. So I know it's very overwhelming. So tell me as somebody who just, well, there's two questions. I'll get to the, the tip question. Cause I will ask you the tip. Like when you hear about how you should eat, like you hear, like you should go gluten-free or you should do whole 30 or you should do paleo or you should do like Mediterranean diet. Like there's all these sort of, um, I don't want to say fads, but let's call them fads. Like there's all these, there's all these diets out there that they say you should eat. Is there, is, should we, is, should we, when you think, hear them, do you think, yeah, the actually Mediterranean makes some sense or whatever? Or is it one of those things where we should go see a neurologist or somebody and do blood work or do something that is actually tailored to ourselves? Like how do you, how should a lay person learn how to eat overall? Like their overall. So, you know, Karen, I, you, I love the term overwhelming because it is overwhelming because <laughs> there's so much information right. out there. I will start by saying that there is no one diet that is good for everybody. We come from different places in the world. We have different genetic makeups. We mm. metabolize some things better than other people. And Can I just you know, say I knew it, it? That's what I suspected. I was like, this cannot be true for everybody based no. on... It, I love it. It isn't. It okay. isn't. So you have to, I think that the biggest thing that we have to do is actually um, eat real food. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's the key. Um, I think we need to start to understand that the more whole an ingredient is, the fresher an ingredient is the more nutrition it has for us. Mm. I think all of these, kale- you know, paleo, keto, right. and I'm really opposed to ketogenic diets, by the way, um, all of these other diets... Say why. Um, wait, wait, say why. You can't, you can't drop something like that and then... Okay, okay. ketogenic diet. So my, my fellowship training, so I'm a trained epilepsy doctor, and I spent half of my life in training in epilepsy dealing with children mm. with what we call intractable epilepsies, meaning there were kids who were having 100 seizures a day. Oh, my gosh. And so I used to administer ketogenic diets to young people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you went from 100 seizures a day to 70 or 50, that was a win. Right. But we gave them fatty liver. Mm-hmm. We gave them, I mean, they were fat emboli that caused blindness. There were fat emboli into so pieces of fat that were circulating in your bloodstream that clogged oh my gosh artery to the eye and and a 13 year old lost her vision (gasps) um we had fat emboli go into both lungs you know your lungs there's a big tree for your lungs and if something stops up the tree right where the fork happens you kill that person and that happened to somebody so so keto- ketogenic diets, uh, we're, you know, ketogenic diets are not good for us. Mm. Um, th- they're not good for anybody. Mm. Uh, we use them in children to try and help them medically. And at that point, you're looking at benefit risk. And, you know, nobody feels good when, when there's a really bad outcome. But it was an extreme case yeah. that we're doing these things. And so it frightens me that people are casually doing it as a weight loss method. Yeah. 
And I have in my practice seen several negative outcomes. The good news is it was early enough that we could reverse it just by food. It was amazing. All I did was feed people. Wow. So um, it's great. But you're getting back to how we should eat, right? So we should, we should start very basically, right? So here's, here's breakfast. Um, you don't have to have avocado toast for breakfast. Um, you what, if, know, what if you really like avocado toast? <laughs> well, I think an avocado toast once a week is fine. Okay. But the poor people in Mexico can no longer afford their avocados. <laughs> it, you know, we have global consequences of what we're doing with uh, our fads. Interesting. So, um, but I think, you know, vary your breakfast. So how about oatmeal one day? How about... Just scrambled eggs with some peppers the next day, Mm. right? How about some yogurt and berries another day? These are really easy things to do, Yep. right? And, um, you know, a good whole grain pancake. What's wrong with a pancake? I love pancakes. Right. Um, You know, pancakes are perfect, but don't use Bisquick. Pancakes are easy to make. You can just get good flour. You can make a big batch and keep it in your pantry and just put some an egg and some water or milk in it, make some, make some pancakes. Um, you know, so if you just, these are not hard things, Mm -hmm. but we think about food in this very complicated way. And now we've gotten into gastronomic things with chopped and the food network. Right. We don't need any of that. Just real basic stuff. Okay. Basic. And do you, you and yeah. just, should we be eating three times a day or five times a day? Because that's another thing they say, right? Oh, you should no, be grazing I, all day. Or does that matter? No, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, I think the thing is that I will come back to one size does not fit all. Right. Okay. And some people need to eat breakfast. Some people wake up hungry. So when you wake up, it's important in the morning to get some protein and fat. Yep. And a little bit of complex carbohydrate. Okay. Right. A giant fruit bowl, which raises your blood sugar in the morning, is not good for you. Mm. Right. A a this juicing thing is not good for you. <laughs> so look, you're turning everything on its head. So protein, fat, and a little bit of what? Would, what did you say? Complex carbohydrates. So Com- that means a whole grain uh, bread. You just need to eat half a piece of really good bread with a little bit of butter on it. There's nothing God, wrong that with that. God, that sounds good. Yes, and you know. Like I said, an egg, if you have a high cholesterol problem, I have a high cholesterol problem um, and I'm on medication for it, but I eat two eggs a week. I eat two full eggs a week, Mm. right? Because those egg yolks have have all of these nutrients. There's something called choline and something called biotin, really good for your eyes, Mm. the health of your vision. Eggs have that. And so I'll take my cholesterol medicine, but I will take two really farm fresh egg yolks a week. But I'm not going to eat them at the same time. Right. Right. So, okay. So, yeah. okay. so if I'm going to start, like, let's say, I'm, I, this is it. I'm turning over a new leaf tomorrow. I am going to start eating healthily. I'm not going to worry about, um, I'm not going to worry about whether or not I look good in a bikini for this, for the purposes of this, right? This is about making myself as healthy as I possibly can. Get rid of brain fog, feeling alive, feeling moving. What's, what's the, is there a book I should start reading about? about vitamins like what what would be the first step you would tell somebody who wants to wake up tomorrow and start really being mindful of their food the first thing i would tell you is cook at home okay right yep and that means and as i've said think about breakfast yep 
think about a nice old fashioned breakfast. Okay. Right. And whether it's sauteed greens and eggs, spinach omelet, spinach scramble, and, and a nice piece of whatever you've got right now in your refrigerator, it may not be good bread, but I don't really care, (laughs) you know, have a half a slice of toast and put some real butter on it. Yep. Okay. No margarine, throw anything with junk out. My husband was so sad when I came home and threw away all his cereal. That was a real traumatic problem Ooh, in cereal our is marriage. Bad. Cereal is bad. Ooh, I eat cereal, cereal is every bad. Morning. Cereal is really bad. Yeah, good okay. oats or not, right? I mean, I just I just posted this old recipe that I used to use, which was I make oatmeal for summertime in the refrigerator. So I just put rolled oats and dried currants and milk and stick it in, and it's a wonderful, delicious cold cereal, and that's all good for you. Wow. Um, but so anyway, getting back to the, what am I going to do today? So yep. tomorrow morning, wake up, make your breakfast. Okay. Right. And pack something for lunch and packing something for lunch can be anything from, you know, make a sandwich. You can, if you're not allergic to peanut butter, you know, make a good peanut butter sandwich, make, you know, have, have some vegetables that you've thrown in there, you know, throw a couple of carrots in. Hmm. Throw some nuts in. Have that a, a nice Greek yogurt that's been unsweetened, so you can add a little bit of honey or berries right. to that. Um, if you don't have time to do anything about breakfast or lunch, cook dinner. Okay. Right. Come home and whole. Okay, so pasta is not bad for you. What? Um, pasta is not bad for you. Pasta is really good. Just don't eat. A bowlful, right? So you're going to eat a half a cup of pasta, but then make a great tomato sauce, and you know whatever you want. Throw some peas in it. There, there's so many easy ways that you you can cook pasta and just throw a little bit of olive oil and some Parmesan cheese and some pepper on there. Girl, I That's, saw the I saw your recipe for that, and w- that has become a staple in our house. I, I love, know it's so good. Isn't I it? love that one, and it's so, so simple. It's awesome. That's easy, and then and a salad, and a salad doesn't have to be tossed. You don't you don't have to do dressings, and I'm I'm again bo- against bottled dressings, but you can do just slice some cucumbers, some just whatever, uh, slice some carrots, some radishes, and we every day and every week I, I ask people to. Eat one vegetable they've never eaten before. Because mm. the vegetables aren't bad. We just probably don't like the way they've been prepared yeah, for us. That, that I do believe. I love vegetables. But when I think about, like, I used to hate Brussels sprouts growing up, but my mom yeah. boiled them. Like, ooh, who likes a boil? Like, it's only when I started, like, saute. I'm like, oh, these are really good. I've, I've learned that, like, grilling and sauteing vegetables is the way I have to eat them. Right. Or, and or we, raw. we... We roast everything yeah, in our that, house yeah. and, and it gets caramelized and delicious. Yeah. And my husband knows how to do it. So it's really great. It's <laughs> like, start the roast before yep. <laughs> I get home. So, um, it's really, you know, I think things like that. It, it's just one change. If you don't eat any fruit, add two pieces of fruit, one mm-hmm. at lunch, one at dinner, right? Just add something good and then transition something bad away if you can. I love that. Um, wait, wait, let, let's say that again. Add something good add and then something transition good away from bad. And transition away from the negative That's thing, big. right? I love that. If, and the, 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 in the United States, and I'm going to say this, we have to get rid of soda. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I that I have I have not had a soda actually in years. I I agree with you. I think soda is just diet or otherwise. It's just poison. I really do think that it is, it is poison. It is poison. But I think you know. Um, I think you just kind of you do one thing every week. Yeah. It shouldn't be overwhelming. You just do one thing a week. I take so one of the great delights is that for the last ten years I've probably been writing as many recipes every day for my patients as I have prescriptions. Wow. And nothing could make me happier. But what I always ask is, what do you like? Yeah. Right? What do you like? Do you like creamy things? Do you like crunchy things? Mm. What do you, and then, you know, like one of my patients, I, I, we created a jar salad for him to take because he, that can live in the refrigerator. Yep. And he can make them on Sundays. And here's the thing. I don't talk about weight. Yep. Because when you eat at home, because my, my, my tagline is healthy is homemade. Yep. When you make it at home, it will be one half the calories, <gasps> one half the fat, one half the sodium of had you picked that up from the grocery store as a prepared meal, if you picked it up from the wow. restaurant. If you pick, so healthy is homemade. So that's why I tell people, make your breakfast. Yeah. That's so good. All right. So the, so the first thing, okay, the two things that I want to take away from this before we go into our lightning round. One is introduce the good and then transition away from the bad. I love that. And then the other thing you said, I want to make sure I got it again. A meal should be, what did you say? Complex carbohydrates, protein, and there was something else? A little bit of fat. And a little good fat. Okay. All right. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. I, I think you can do it. And, I, and I'm sorry because it has, this has been really kind of, um, it, it's a strange thing because this comp, this topic is so large yes, and it's huge. I want to always make it smaller, which is why I do the blog. Um, but you just, just one thing at a time. And I, can I tell you one little, the story of, of, of how I didn't actually tell you the story of how nope. I did this. Please um, tell me. So 10 years ago, people started getting brain fog and all of this stuff. And I started checking all these other vitamins and lo and behold, they were nutritionally deficient and there were vitamins we didn't normally check. I had to work really hard to get the lab to figure out how to do it. Hmm. And then, you know, they were fixed and I'm like, oh my God, cause I'm a giant skeptic. I'm like, really? Okay. Um, but hmm. two years later they were still fixed and some people stopped the vitamins. They got worse. They went back on the vitamins. They got better. They changed to eating well. They didn't need the vitamins. So it was really an eye opener and an awakening for me. Mm. The most important thing came when I had a young lady who, she had epilepsy, and I do a lot of epilepsy work, um, and she'd been on the same prescription medicines for a long time, and she stopped taking them, she would stop taking them and have seizures because she was convinced that the medication was making her stomach upset and giving her a rash. Hmm. And but she hadn't changed anything, so it was that was an unlikely scenario. Anyway, she came to see me, and I, I'm looking at her, and for some very, you know, she's complaining of joint pain. She's got this weird rash and abdominal pain, and out of the blue, I ordered a vitamin C level, right? Okay. And I, I like to think of and thank Malcolm Gladwell in that book, Blink. Yep, love that, that book. Instinct, right? Instinct is isn't magic. It's a cumulative coming together of experience and knowledge. Right. And I don't know why, you know, I always think I don't know why, but I did know why, because she had the triad of scurvy. 
And so she but had I didn't, what? The triad of scurvy, right? Scurvy she like the sailors ab- used to have? Yes. Abdominal oh. pain, rash, and joint pain. And so I ordered this vitamin C level, which comes back zero. And I'm looking at this going, surely this is a mistake. Number one, I can't forget. Why did I order it again? Okay. So I called the lab and the lab said, yeah, um, we already checked it three times. She <laughs> had no really vitamin zero. C in her body. She had zero, no vitamins, none. So she comes and she sits down in front of me. You know, I bring her in. And I'm like, okay, what are you eating? Because th- <laughs> this is saying zero vitamin C. And I can't believe this because I live, you know, in 2015 in Houston, Texas. And we're not in a food desert. And what's going on here? Right. And I said, well, what do you eat? She said, I said, what do you have? What do you eat for breakfast? I don't eat breakfast. Great. What do you eat for lunch? Chicken tortilla soup. I said, okay. What do you eat for dinner? She said, chicken tortilla soup. Oh, oh. I said, no, no, not lunch, dinner. She said, chicken tortilla soup. I said, what else do you eat? She said, I don't eat anything else. Oh, dear. So this is a 22-year-old, just out of college, you know, trying to live on her own no idea of how to eat she's trying to work and chicken tortilla soup is the easiest thing she can eat and she did that for about six months she had scurvy it wasn't the epilepsy medicines that were making her sick she had scurvy and so i thought about that and i went how many people do this right i mean we're are we all doing this and i have to tell you what's i think really interesting (coughs) about that story is when I hear chicken tortilla soup, I'm like, well, she's getting her protein. Like, there's probably some vegetables in there somewhere. Like, like in my mind, I'm yes. like, you, I could totally see, like, I'd be bored to death, but I could totally see somebody thinking, well, I'm eating fine, right? Like, I'm it eating sh- fine. Yes, it should be okay. Yeah. And we're supposed to have, all that stuff's supposed to be supplemented. Mm. You see, this was an eye-awakening, just earth-shattering moment of why somebody who's eating something that the label says you have USDA, this, this, this. How come you got a vitamin C your system? So, and her mother, of course, is so sweet. She goes, well, it is Progresso. So it's a good brand. Oh, that's great. So anyway, right about this time is when the vitamin, when the farmer's market is opening in my, in my neighborhood. And I went and I would go and I would try to, you know, I'm buying vegetables and somebody would pick something up and say, well, what do you do with this? Right. And I would sit there and say, well, you do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And so every morning I spent an extra, or every Saturday I was spending an extra hour telling people what to do with the vegetables. And that's what started me cooking at the farmer's market once a month. <gasps> and that's what started the Tasting Health oh, blog. I love this. So, and, and it's so interesting because, you know, People don't know how to roast a chicken, and we're not going to go into rotisserie chicken and how bad those are for you. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but that's how you know we we don't think that the foods we're eating are not food. Yeah, yeah. And I think I I that's why I don't want to dwell on the negative. I just want to add in the positive I because eventually we will have to do something about our food policy. But that will probably not be in my lifetime. <laughs> um, but, you know, young people are, are, they make me very hopeful because I think they're more tuned into this than we have been. Yeah. Well, I am now. Thank you. Thanks so much to you. I really appreciate this. So, okay. Uh, we need to go into our lightning round. Lightning round. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you questions and you're just going to come with the very first answer that comes to mind. 
Okay. Okay. So we'll start with um, coffee or tea. Tea. Okay. Why, now, I've, every time I ask a question, I'm going to be like, "Why is that? Is that coffee bad for you?" Anyway, but we're not going to do that. No, uh, it's good. It's okay. Why, wine or cocktails? Wine. Yeah, me too. Okay. So, because you talk about like local food and farmers and stuff like that, but I seem to remember you living in a high rise. So I'm going to ask you: city living or country living? Country living. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, that I surprises know, you would, me. You wouldn't think that, but yes. Wow. Okay. Um, cook for someone else or have someone cook for you? Cook for someone else. Yeah, I, that's not surprising to me. Okay. It's an act of love. I agree with you, man. I think it's, it's the way we connect with people. I just, I love food. Okay. What is something someone would be really surprised to learn about you? I love BattleBots. You love how much? BattleBots. You what? know this program, BattleBots? No, what is BattleBots? <laughs> <laughs> um, battle, I don't even know what station it's on because my husband uh, DVRs everything. And, but it's so I don't, you know, we're opposed to contact sports and for brain reasons, and I don't like violence. But these are robots that people build that At go battle? into this arena <laughs> and they battle each other. And these robots are amazingly powerful, but there's, it's really geeky. And, I love this so And much. I love BattleBots. It's just so funny. That is so awesome. I don't, I don't think anyone would have figured I love BattleBots, but I love BattleBots. I'm going to have to go look at BattleBots now. That's You'll awesome. love it. <laughs> your daughter will love it and your husband will love it. I, I mean, love it. I'm going to love crazy. it, man. This I is think awesome. you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Okay. What is something that you're really proud about about yourself? Um, I'm, I'm proud to be a community neurologist. Oh, yeah. I love that. I'm going to see now I'm going to have to come up with some sort of neurological problem so I can come see you like at a professional level. <laughs> I should come see you with my food. No, like fix my no. food. Um, okay. So these two questions are questions my daughter makes me ask everybody. So mm -hmm. the first one, Pandora or Spotify? Spotify. Okay. And Facebook or Instagram? Instagram. All right. And finally, the question I ask everybody, what does it mean to thrive? Um, I think it's being able to truly answer the question, what do you want? <gasps> I love that. That might be my favorite answer ever. I love that. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being on this show. This has been enlightening, a little confounding, um, but really enlightening as well. Yes. Well, thank you very much for having me on. And, and I hope, again, that there's been some simplified information. <laughs> it does seem overwhelming. And I, whenever I talk about it, I feel a little badly. I have to kind of condense it down a little bit. But um, it, it's so interesting that I started life in India as this small child where we knew every farmer yep. and this was this ritual every day of cooking. And now here I am on the other side of the planet, mm. 50 years later, doing the exact same Dude, thing. I love that. And for everybody out there, even if everything we said was overwhelming, definitely go see tastinghealth.com. I will put the link in the show notes because I mean, it's, it's the recipes are amazing. Um, I was telling Rita before we got started that the things that I love about the, these recipes are they're really simple and they're very global. And they, I mean, I've, I've made a few of them already and I, I 
I'm so excited every single time you post a new one up. So thank you again so much for being a part of this. Thank you. I am honored. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I really, really appreciate it. Rita is so awesome. And honestly, I'm still horrified to learn that I might have been eating year old apples. Given how overwhelming food and food health is, if you're interested in learning how to begin eating for health, be sure to check out tasting-health.com to learn more about Rita Achari, her amazing recipes, and her insight into how to eat healthily. I'll leave links in the show notes at themakelightshow.com. And while you're there, what's your relationship with food like? Share it in the comments. I'd love your wisdom. And of course, if you're talking about today's episode on social media, please don't forget to use hashtag MakeLightShow so I can find you. And as always, if you're looking for more ways to make more light in your life, but you find yourself stuck, please send me an email with any questions or challenges you'd like me to tackle to Karen at TheMakeLightShow.com. And you just might hear an answer to your question on an upcoming episode of The Make Light Show. I'm Karen Walren. And I'll be back next week with all new tips and tricks to make life. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Drive on, friends.